there's going to be winners and losers, and there's going to be a big gap in between. This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, 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 let's go business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Episode 571. And today's guest is a real treat to join me, Evan Kerstell. Been following him for a long time. He shares so much good information about technology. What do you have to think about? What should you disregard? What is worth trying and what isn't? Which is always an ongoing battle. I swear that could be a full-time job, quite frankly. And sometimes it feels like one, but I enjoy it very much. Today, we want to talk about AI and business storytelling. And what's interesting about AI is we had this show, typically we don't talk about the housekeeping stuff on here too much, but we had this show uh, booked for a few months ago or a few weeks ago, I don't remember the exact date, and I had to move it for some reason, which I also don't remember. Yes, I, I can't remember anything today. But now might be a better time even because ChatGPT has come out and I've used it for some blog post articles. I've used it for um, just to kind of play around with and, you know, even for some keyword research, what do people want to know and and that sort of thing um, or content research, I guess, might be a better term. So we're not just going to talk about that, but AI in general for the corporate content creator, the corporate content strategist, what's new? What do we have to think about? Evan, welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you, Christoph. Thanks for having me. Really, really excited. As I said, I've, I've been following you for the beginning of Twitter, probably. I don't know when. But My condolences. I, I apologize for, for those one million tweets that you were forced to uh, sit through. Not forced at all. I read them <laughs> one by one as they show up, depending on what my setting is, right? Latest tweets or Elon tells me what to read. All right, let's focus on AI just a little bit here. And, you know, you were talking about this on Twitter, which prompted me to invite you and, and, and get you on the show. Uh, but what are we currently, what do we need to think about when it comes to AI and how do we use it in corporate corporate marketing, really? Well, AI has been, the, you know, a, a technology that sort of, infiltrated our lives in in ways that weren't obvious you know whether it's our collaboration tools cutting out background noise or google maps finding the right directions or you know features it's you know within applications and services and back office systems and medical networks but it, it it's it hasn't been that obvious to the consumer, the, the power of AI as an opportunity, uh, the professional consumer in my case, until ChatGPT. And there, the opportunity is on full display for everyone to try with ChatGPT. And it's really raised AI to the forefront in terms of the consciousness of your average person and your tech person. And the opportunities are now pretty clear and the challenges uh, and uh, downside is also pretty clear. So it's it's just an eye-opening, they call it a demo. It's, you know, exercise in what a AI has to offer and the kind of things we'll be seeing more of. 
You know, what's interesting is you call it a demo and I've been using it. I actually wrote an article and I used it for two sections in the article. I just put on there. I said, this section has been written by OpenAI, right? Just FYI. And it wasn't horrible. And I also took today, I think it was today, um, the New York Times, they had a quiz and they said, we ask a fourth grader to write something and we we ask Chad GPT to write something. You guess which who wrote who what, you know? And I got some of them right and I got some of them wrong, right? So it did actually, it wasn't horrible, the AI writing content. Um, there's a little personality I think that's missing. That's how I caught usually that it was a person as opposed to a computer. Um, but what are some of the, um, let's start on the negative side for a minute. What are some of the downfalls of using AI? Uh, and then what are some of the positives of using that to create your content? Well, that, that's a big can of worms to unwrap. I mean, look, on the on the uh, downside, we're going to see a sort of sameness to content from here on <laughs> out. You know, people are going to leverage this left and right. I've started for utilitarian reasons. Uh, and pretty soon all of our copy, our text is going to have this kind of similar look and feel. And so then the challenge will be, okay, you know, how, how can different application developers de develop uh, variants or, 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 or flavors of copy that are less, you know, uh, machine derived. And so, um, you know, that's one thing, uh, you, you know, it's often said that English is the easiest language in the world to speak and write badly. And I, you, you know, so I think you're going to see just this uh, mountain of content being generated by folks whose English is a second language or third or fourth or fifth which means that, you know, there's no longer any reason to write anything that's not uh, good, quote unquote, English. So you're going to see this just this massive take up and it's going to infiltrate its ways into all kinds of third party features and services from customer support, you know, customer service through, uh, you know, health apps. And, you know, this is only the beginning. You know, GPT-3 is not even connected to the Internet. Right. These are models that have been trained on data that has been fed, wait until GPT-4, 5, 6, 7, 8, <laughs> and we see GPT beginning to consume publicly available web content. It's, it's, it's the beginning of quite a revolution. You know, that might be one of my favorite quotes I've heard in a while. English is one of the easiest languages to speak badly, <laughs> which, I mean, I I, dis, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I can't disagree on that statement <laughs> at all. Now, um, when I so when I was playing around with with the, the current version of chat GPT, what happened is it seemed to me that the better my instructions or my questions were, the better the content. Right. So if I just said something like tell me about bald people, right? Like, it's not going to get me something really good. But if I say, tell me how bald people, I don't know, overcome sunburn or, you know, something very specific. I mean, the content seems to be way more specific, way more flushed out. I mean, even when I read that New York Times quiz, I mean, the instructions they gave were pretty specific. As a fourth grader at this elementary school, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. is that an important skill that we might have to learn to actually, if we use these tools to create better content? Yeah, I think that's going to be the case for all what we call generative AI. The prompts, the inputs are going to be as as fundamental as the, as the output that you get. There's already marketplaces popping up 
explore things like Dolly, where if you want a particularly cool description of, let's say, a room, you know, someone will create a very intricate, elaborate description. Let's say you're a dungeon master in Dungeons and Dragons. Someone will create a, a very elaborate description of a room in, in uh, this dungeon, which you can put into Dolly. And then it'll, it'll output, in turn, a very interesting and creative piece of, of art. Um, and so the same applies to ChatGPT. The better the input, the better the output. And there are people already experimenting how to commercialize that. So you can, you know, buy, you know, look at a marketplace of particular ChatGPT instructions and find ones that are have found, proven to be really useful. So... There's so many implications uh, of all this. It's really hard to begin. It's just very interesting. The one thing I want to circle back on, you mentioned the sameness of content. And certainly we see, I mean, that's not really a new problem, quite frankly, right? I mean, when I was working with large healthcare systems, every healthcare system for February would write an article on the four signs of a, a heart <laughs> attack or five signs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, so even if you have slightly different words, it's ultimately the same article, right? I mean, it's still pretty similar to everything else. Now with chat GPT, what might happen is it's even more similar, right? Because if you ask identical questions, will it serve you the same answer roughly or will it mix it up, I guess? Well, there are already companies building engines on top of chat GPT, like Jasper AI. So, Jasper will interject additional models in for comedic style writing or funny or silly or serious tonalities. So again, this is this is really a platform. It's really an API, despite this quote unquote demo, which we're all excited about as consumers. This is a technology that's going to go into and accessed by leveraged by other technologies. And, um, you, you know, it'd be really it's funny, you know, if you use Siri, you realize how dumb, how idiotic Siri is in the AI sense compared to ChatGPT. So I think it's a wake-up call to a lot of companies, even big companies like Apple, who um, you know are kind of have fallen behind. Maybe even Google, who've fallen behind in the AI arms race. And so this is going to be even more fueled to that fire. You know what? Don't even get me started on Siri. Uh, when when the West Waters were on the show. Um, and we talked about voice technology. <laughs> Siri is probably the worst of them all, quite frankly. I mean, sometimes I say, hey, Siri, uh, do whatever. And she'll say, just one moment. I'm like, what is she doing? <laughs> this was, I asked you for the time. What do you need a moment for? Tell me the time or play music, right? Like, what's the, like, yeah, what so, you know, imagine, uh, imagine a device and Google, you know, uh, Assistant has some pretty cool capabilities, but imagine a device that truly leverages locally chat GPT functions and that you could query and talk with it natively and at you know no no latency no delay in real time uh, opens just a world of possibilities the, absolutely and so i you know my philosophy always is i always like to find the latest tool that helps me you know create good content for my company and and even for myself um, and certainly using restream is one example right here right what we're doing right here but I'm a little worried if I overuse chat GPT or other technology at the end, will Google, I mean, Google will figure that out, right? Google will say, hey, this content is too similar from all the other content. Uh, I'm not going to, 
you're not going to rank because it's just uh, smoke and mirrors. I mean, is that not a danger or, or how should I? How should Look, I mean, we're, we're, we're in, a, in a time of arbitrage. So, you know, you and I are the content creators who want to leverage this technology. You know, we have a year, maybe 18 months to kind of gain some competitive advantage and leverage it before the world catches up to this to us and moves on to the next big thing. So the key is, is to be at the bleeding edge, the innovative edge and uh, you know, playing with new technologies like chat GPT before the rest of the world catches up. And then I'm sure we'll move on to something else uh, when that time comes, when it's no longer an arbitrage, when it's just uh, you know, a feature of every application or service or platform. So you know, let's have fun for the next uh, 18 months uh, in the meantime. Let's have fun for the next 18 months. I, I really like that philosophy. And my favorite story, Evan, from this still is many, many years ago, I signed up for the Amazon Influencer Program and I did nothing with it. I didn't even understand why I was doing it, but I always sign up for everything, right? I tried at least once. And then exactly. years later, Amazon rolled out the live streaming platform. And I said, how do I live stream? And they said, you have to apply for this program. The one I applied to, <laughs> years ago. So I was already in, right? Just because that's my philosophy. So I really, really appreciate that comment. Now, um, as we're looking, let's talk about maybe something else for a few minutes. Uh, ChatGPT certainly has come out. It's, it's fun to play with. It does have some decent content overall, but I will tell you this, I use Grammarly and Grammarly doesn't always agree with how ChatGPT <laughs> throws it out. Uh, and Let has them fight it out, you know, pitch them against each other and see you gives up first. Let, let them fight against each other. Absolutely. So, but what other kind of AI tools are currently top of mind for you that we should think about that might be useful in our corporate strategies? Well, I think they all relate to, frankly, what OpenAI is doing. I mean, so I'm a big fan of Dolly for creating, you know, interesting images to go along with posts or banners or backgrounds or, you know, uh, and so I've, I've been playing with that. If you're a creator, there's OpenAI has a whole suite of tools that look really interesting, the ability to create 3D models. Uh, and, and there are some tools now that will create a you know digital twin of yourself um, and allow you basically to clone yourself and have your deep fake basically speak the news or read a blog or create, you know, create an avatar on social that'll interact with your your followers. So all of this deep learning to AI to you know to machine technology is 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 going to filter its way into our daily lives. Uh, there's a recent one that I've I've had fun with, and again for me all these things are sort of about having fun and and they're sort of cute toys to start. But uh, Lenza allows you to upload ten pictures or selfies and create you know a sort of myriad of you know, Marvel superhero-like uh, avatars or profile pics. And again, that's been really fun. So again, the utility is yet to be determined, but, you know, if you're having fun along the way, you know, why not jump in? You know, and that reminds me of, um, I think it was in, in um, Atomic Habits where I actually read this and they were talking about who creates the better, the more perfect image, if there's such a thing. The, the, the people that create one image or the people that create a hundred and the people that created a hundred and they were just having fun, trying different things. I'm not going to say throw stuff against the wall, but try way more stuff than the one image, right? They actually won. They got a way more, per, more perfect thing 
uh, more perfect image than uh, the, the the team that was just trying to do the perfect image. And when you just said that, that's what I was thinking, right? Just try things, see what works. Now, when you talk about yeah, any, Dali, anyone who's had actually... a lo- anyone who's had a logo created, for example, will know how painful and expensive that process is. Well, all of a sudden, you know, you can have a, a hundred logos created, and you can pick your favorite in about five five minutes. So. You know, there are a lot of opportunities to leverage these technologies in practical ways, not just in fun and silly and entertaining ways. Uh, and so that's an example with Dolly, too. Uh, going back to Chat GPT, I sent personalized Christmas cards to all my clients, and they were poems. So I had Chat GPT create a poem incorporating them and their business. You know, if you're a T Mobile or you're a. Uh, uh, an Intel or an Ericsson, you know, sort of incorporated their business into the poem. And uh, it was hilarious. The The output was just so fun and it was so well received. So again, there's 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 ways to use it in unusual ways that, that people will discover. And I think that's the fun part of the, the opportunity for these regenerative technologies. What's interesting to me too, I had actually not th- thought about, or maybe I hadn't even heard about DALI, Two, so that's D A L L hyphen number two, right? That's the one we're talking about, Evan. Yeah, Dolly Two. It's part of the OpenAI uh, suite. That's actually a paid uh, service now. You have to enter a number of key credits for for use, but the output's amazing. I mean, I, I love art. I love real art, uh, but the the chance to become a sort of quasi artist and to use your creative. Uh, muscles in this way when you don't have the ability is just so fun as someone who's on all the social networks imagery and visuals is is such an important part of of getting noticed getting attention on social media so it's all part uh, part for the course really and certainly what i you know i actually went in here i had not used this before i just typed in a podcast cover image of a business show and then it gives me four options now you know would i have created them the same way absolutely not but it's certainly, it's another avenue to create content as long as you can describe what it is that you're trying to do. Uh, Dolly, is that, Dolly 2, is that expensive or like how much is the cost to, to sign You know, I haven't it? figured out. I mean, you, you know, I, I think you'll probably get bored before you, um, you know, spend too much money. But uh, uh, for people who are in any sort of creative industry or adjacent <laughs> to creative um, you know, I can imagine, you know, creating a t-shirt with some cool logo or illustration. I mean, you're basically, be, you're, you're turned into a graphic designer with, with Dolly too. And, uh, you know, what does that mean for the graphic arts industry? What does that mean for us who pay people, you know, a fair amount of money to create cartoons and images and logos and, and, uh, and, uh, photo editing, video editing. I mean, all of this will be done in AI, uh, in ways that we're just beginning to see now. So I, what is your opinion on how this affects the current jobs? So for example, right, as you just said, I mean, I can just create my own thing in here. I'm publishing another book next year, 2023 here, and I created the cover myself. I actually showed it to a designer and I said, do you have any feedback? But I created it in Canva, right? So at some mm-hmm. point, AI is going to make that even easier right? You can say specific things. I still remember being at the Adobe conference uh, maybe six years ago. And one of the VPs said, I bet you at some point you can sit in your office and say, hey, do this, create this. And it does it while you're talking about it. And it it gets there. From my perspective, 
I I usually take it as, hey Evan, I gotta I gotta step up my game, right? If AI can write good content, how can I write better content, or how can I use AI to write better content or whatever, right? But how do I step up my game so I still have a purpose to actually do things? Uh, how do you feel about that when people come screaming about, oh, but it's gonna take jobs, it's gonna do this, it's hurting us? Well, it's gonna take jobs, and it is gonna destroy uh, whole uh, professions. And um, they're going to be winners and they're going to be losers, sadly. And that's the reality of what we're seeing. I mean, if you look at even in the quick serve restaurant industry, every fast food company you can name is now looking at ways for robots to completely automate their restaurant from natural language processing, you know, at the uh, uh, drive through right through to delivery automated with, you know, and robot hamburger flippers. So this is all happening. It's going to happen more. And those entry-level jobs are gone forever. Um, the people like us who, you know, professionals or creatives who, who uh, use these tools and embrace them and leverage them, I, I think will do quite well because all of a sudden we're going to 10x our output and our ability to create and engage and, and um, innovate. At the same time, you go on Fiverr to the the guy in Bangladesh or the woman in you know India who's doing, you know, uh, contract work on Fiverr to write blogs or, you know, create images or pictures. You know, the, they're going to be disrupted because there's no need to go to hire someone for twenty dollars to create a new picture, a logo for you, or or even license uh, an image from someone. You're going to be able to do it yourself. So again, there's going to be winners and losers, and there's going to be a big gap in between. Yeah, very interesting. And I want to circle back to the entry level jobs in a minute. Um, but what's interesting to me when you just were talking about that. So I used to have an editing stage, right, in my process, where an editor would really just look at grammatical issues, right, punctuation, this, that, whatever. And that job, I used to pay for that job has been entirely replaced by Grammarly, 100%. Nobody reads my content for that specific thing. Now, somebody still edits for strategy. Does this make sense within the strategy? Mm -hmm. Is it accurate, right? But the whole thing of checking whether I put a comma in the right place, which I will never do. I have given up. Grammarly put the comma where it needs to go, right? Like, I don't need somebody to do that. Now, when you say entry-level jobs, that's kind of a little bit of a concern, right? Because I grew up, I came into an entry-level job at a newspaper, right? I learned how to write. I learned how to interview people. I learned how to interact with people. How will that change when, when there's no uh, entry-level jobs anymore? How will that look, in your opinion? Well, it's going to be, uh, I don't know how it'll look, but I, I, I think it'll be a real challenge for every society. I suspect the more developed economies, the more developed countries will present opportunities for young people to engage the technology. And, and even, you know, uh, you, you know, if you're an Amazon drone, um, you're, you need a pilot, a drone pilot to train <laughs> the Amazon AI, how to fly that drone and to oversee it and to management. So there will be opportunities for entry-level jobs that look radically different than uh, I think the kind of, you know, entry-level jobs we had as youngsters. But it's a real red warning flag. And there's, you know, even Musk uh, says there's a giant, you know, flashing red light over all of us, you know, warning us danger, danger, because <laughs> the implications <laughs> are enormous. 
I, you know, I think the way I, I also don't know how it's going to look exactly, but I think the way we need to think about it is what are those things entry level people still do, right? And and at the end of the day, maybe the definition of creating a blog, if we're just going to stay with that example, maybe it just changed, right? Maybe it's just different. Maybe you use part, part AI, maybe you use part interviews. Maybe the interviews are automatically turned into a article, right? Like you record them and boom, they're, you know, AI or whoever does that automatically and somebody just still has to review them. So there's probably still a yeah, place. I, I think it sort of like a superpower it turns us all, uh, much more productive. It makes us all, whatever we, we will do and, and do today, it'll massively increase our output. You know, it talks about how AI is going to replace radiologists. And I think it only will do that indirectly because if you're a radiologist, you could probably then now process 10x more you know, x-rays with AI as an assistant than you could before. So the radiologist will still be at the heart of radiology, but that AI will make her, you know, 10, 15 times more efficient and effective and and accurate in the work that, you know, he or she does. So does that in turn mean you need less or fewer radiologists? Actually, yeah. yeah. But I don't think it eliminates jobs in the way we're expecting, but it certainly allows any individual to be, um, you know, much more prolific in the work that they do. I mean, we've already seen the uh, airline starting to uh, ask the FCC to look at replacing uh, a pilot, so a co-pilot with, with uh, automation, essentially AI. And so in the future, we won't have enough pilots, but human beings we literally won't have enough pilots but will we have ai come to the rescue right. so it's so industry specific and it's 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 so gray as far as the the impact uh on jobs and work and the future of work it's a fascinating super time interesting. super interesting evan really appreciate you coming on people remind people where can they connect with you where can they follow you yeah, just at Evan Kerstell on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'd love to be, you know, engage you there. And I'm uh, not a bot, so I actually will reply and and read your comments and look forward to uh, collaboration. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insights. Thanks so much. Great to see you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Stories win.